Blog Talk Radio. That's my level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I go ahead and speak my mind. The devil is alive, creeping from behind. Propaganda and scandals are one of a kind. But they owe some shades, quick to close the blinds. Claim they missed it, as if they were frozen in time. But I'm professional, DeMar DeRozan with lines. Not speaking slam duckin', too short to grab the rim, but raw enough to put the funk in. Boy, I smash a pumpkin. Oh, Halloween, dressed up as MC3, cause ain't no future in your front end. Yeah, and that's how it is. In this crazy world, do your best to raise your kids. Boys and girls, cause they are your true reflections They strapped with a powerful mind for protection That come free, homie, this ain't the free land I just ask God to give me the strength to three men Family, this is Brother Insight back in the building on another edition of the Insightful Hour. I know y'all been like, where is Brother Insight? It's just the rhythm at. We have been enjoying a little vacation. We took the month of May off. A lot of stuff going on, busy with family things and so much other stuff. Y'all know May is always busy with school and graduations and just, you know, getting ready for the summer. So we decided just to take some time off because every weekend we was both doing something. I was like, let's just take this time off and enjoy our family and enjoy some uh, time away from the show, and then we'll get back to it in June. So here we are. It's the first Sunday in June. It's June 7th, 2015. Make sure y'all tell a friend, tell a relative. We are back in the building. We have a great show planned for y'all tonight. We have my good brother, my good friend, 
who's making his third appearance on the Insight for our brother Nasiel. Um, he's going to be joining us at the 6.30 mark. Um, we have a, going to have a serious conversation um, about treating our women properly. Are we treating our women the way they need to be treated? Brother Nasee, Minister Inky, Sister Abundance, and some other brothers are going to be in Harlem in a couple of weeks um, having a conference about the same subject, and we're going to talk about that as well. So make sure y'all call in uh, right around 6.30. Uh, with any questions you have for Brother Nasi or myself, and uh, we're going to get the you know, get this show started. But um, tonight, um, for the first half hour, we're just going to be catch up. Any hot topics anybody has they want to discuss, call in at 619-393-2813, 619-393-2813, and we'll talk about it. And um, anything Sister Rhythm has, we can get into. I have a couple of things I want to try to get into within this 30 minutes, but um. With that being said, let's bring in the queen of the insight for uh, Ms. Rhythm, a.k.a. Ms. G herself. What's going on, beloved? Peace. Everything is good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. How was your month's vacation? Uh, it was pretty good, actually. I was When you said we had a show today, I was thinking, dag, like, <laughs> I could have found something to do. Right, right. But yeah, I missed it, and I also like wanted today off too. So it, it's always the catch twenty two. <laughs> right, right, right. You miss it when we're not doing it, and once we come back, you still want that Sunday off. I feel you. Right. <laughs> and thank you to everybody that checked out uh, Fruit Fast Radio on Tuesday night. We will be back this Tuesday. Uh, myself and Minister Inky. Uh, Brother Darren Pruitt um, will be our guest this week. He's the um, fitness expert and personal trainer inside of the 40-Day Fruit Fast group. So hopefully everybody's going strong. This is day five of the 40-Day Fruit Fast. So if you guys have any questions pertaining to the fasting and what's the best way to do it, how are you going, you know, what, what, do you type, what type of feelings are you having, call in Tuesday night to the same number at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time with myself, Minister Inky, and our guest, uh, Brother Darren Pruitt. So since the rhythm, man, what are some interesting or fun things you've been doing since we've been off? I know uh, you went to the proms to chaperone um, your students, and I've seen some fly pictures of some of the students, but any any other interesting things you had a chance to do during your break off from the show? Um, just a few shows that I went to um, and going to a Museum of Contemporary Art. No, and when I say shows, I mean like poetry shows. Um, I don't know. It's been uh, very interesting. Like I actually think summertime is the best time in Chicago. We just—it's just the weather is ridiculous, and I mean, if it's harp in full effect for sure. Um, Even if people don't actually think that's real. I think it is. Uh, they don't. They don't necessarily want us to have a heat wave here, so it'll get hot, and then the next day it is twenty degrees colder, and that's the high for the day. You know, so it's crazy um, what's been going on as far as weather is concerned. But there are a lot of things actually really going on in the city. Um, and a lot of things going on at the same time, and I don't know. I, I think I had a a good month off um, this month, and yesterday I got a chance to hang out with one of my longtime friends, so that was cool, too. You know, 
Uh, I've been working mostly, though, so I don't know. <laughs> it's been good, and I I think it will get better just because it's summertime. Absolutely. And I'm with you, man. I planted my garden in May because it was in the 80s, and, and some days it was in the 90s. I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and plant. And um, the garden was doing great first week and a half. Then we dropped down into the 50s, and one night we was at 45. I'm like, man, what's going on? And I know my produce is looking like, man, what's what's really going on? We've just been in the 80s and 90s, and now the temperature had dropped back down. But it was cool um, because we haven't really dropped down too low since then, which is a good thing, so I'm happy about that. But I'm in a total agreement with you about this weather, man. It was crazy in the month of May with the back and forth. Because spring, uh, April was cool. We had a lot of rain in April. It was in the 70s, which is a, a normal spring. So it was cool. It was great. But May, it was kind of like a seesaw. It was going from 80, 90 to 50, 60 some days. And with like two or three days, we was in the 40s. So I don't know what they're doing with the park machine or what's going on, but it was it was a crazy May with weather. So Hopefully June and the rest of the summer is uh, is delightful because uh, today it was 85 and got a chance to get out and do some sunbathing about two and a half hours, which is always good. Get the melanin popping, so I was happy about that. But um, anything else interesting you got into uh, during the month off before we get into a hot topic? Well, I just have to add on to what you are saying. Like April was cold here. Um we had no days in the 80s, and in May we had a couple of days. But then those couple of days, like the next day, is even lower. You know, mm-hmm. so we it's like this seesaw thing, and maybe you guys are catching <laughs> that after effect from us because uh, we haven't had a straight 70s all week yet. So, you know, to me that's crazy. It's like... June 1st, I wore tights to work. Okay, so I'm like, June 1st, it is in the 50s. That's nuts. <laughs> it's like we don't have two seasons. I mean, oh, we only have two seasons here. And it's winter and Pikachu's one of the other ones. I mean, because we barely have a summer, and hopefully it's not like last year, because we barely had a summer last year. I need to be able to go outside and, um, you know, screw in myself, and I haven't had that opportunity, I don't think. Man, if it's over 50, you can screw in. All it takes is a couple minutes per day. It don't take a long time. You don't have to be out there for hours. If you get five to ten minutes in, that's that's excellent, you know what I'm saying? So wintertime is cool. I, I don't understand you can't screw it in the wintertime, but definitely uh, if it's in the um, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you definitely can get your, get your screw in time in. It's going to definitely help out, definitely, because um, I've seen a big difference in the time that I've been doing it. But uh, let's get busy. Let's get to it, man. So a lot has went on in the whole month of May. We weren't here to talk about. Um, and one thing I want to talk about is, um, we went we went off air. The whole Baltimore thing was just really popping off, and we didn't have a lot of time to talk about it. But I wanted to mention it a little bit. Things have kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, things aren't, you know, what they were back in early May, late April. Uh, like I said, when we took our break, what was your 
reaction when you saw the things take place in Baltimore and, and when you look at how the young people said enough is enough, we're not going to continue to take this anymore. It was very liberating to me. Um, I mean, I actually thought, and this may sound crazy to some people, but this is just the way that I see things and how I know um, how how people, how you end up reacting to something like it. I'm very passive aggressive. So at some point I'm going to blow up, and that's just what it looked like to me. And they were pushing the police back. It was like the people actually showed some type of power. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, though it's like, yeah, okay, now that we are taking the same measures that you have taken on us all this time, we are the ones that are looking like the victims. You know, mm-hmm. and I even had a situation in the class like that, and we have been talking about the Baltimore riots and the police, and, I mean, I was actually able to help them see how they need to think through things before they make, before they react, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's very important. But looking at it, um, I don't know if I would have necessarily been out there, and I definitely wouldn't have been that mother. She actually pissed me off to tell the truth, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, but um, uh, looking at it, it made me think, okay, people are waking up. They are actually seeing that there's something wrong here, and nobody is doing anything about it. So once we come out of the oblivion is when we are able to rise even further. It's just kind of terrible that coming out of the oblivion means that something negative has to happen first. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little inevitable, though, just because of the way this country has been ran. You know, mm-hmm. but the people who are reacting are the ones that are seeming like the the victim um, or the they seem wrong, not the victim. They seem like they're the wrong people for doing it. Like the police are looking like the victim. And then, you know, they got this man passing some bill about police rights. And when has he, when has he even stood up and said anything about human rights in this country? But he could go mm-hmm. to Cuba and talk to them about human rights. You know, and I know mm. you know I'm talking about. I ain't about to say his name and even glorify right, right, right. that. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying. Anybody with some sense know what I'm talking about. Um, it is, it's just ridiculous to me, like, what has been going on so prevalently in these last few years. Like, we actually seeing it on TV because it's not like it hasn't existed already. We just seeing a lot of it. And by seeing a lot of it, that means you're trying to get some type of reaction out of us to even start your martial law plans, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think people don't even look at that because you are reacting to the negativity, but they, and that's that's what they want you to do. And then you look like the bad guy, and then you got this fool coming on TV talking about the rioters are the criminals. Really? Why are they even rioting in the first place? Like, please address that, mister. Ugh. So, I mean, I don't know. That whole situation um, I felt was... Uh, 
really good for me to be able to talk to my students about some or reiterate to them some things that we even talked about in the beginning of the year. And it's like, okay, we see this now. We really see this. Like, we saw this with Trayvon Martin. Now is is I mean, and that's the only thing he talked about. Why? Why? Because it didn't have anything to do with the police that worked for him. Mm-hmm. One girl go say, he don't want to get assassinated. I was like, get assassinated for what? Saying right. that the police are corrupt, like that ain't nothing that's gonna get them assassinated. Uh, it, mm-hmm. There's much more <laughs> that he could say to get himself assassinated. Come on now, mm-hmm. I mean, speaking out and saying something like that, that has that won't, you know. And so, and so, what that means? Just don't say nothing at all. Uh, yeah. No. And you I gotta know, say so, this, man. Shout out to the young people in Baltimore, man, because. A lot of people say, oh, it's ignorant, they shouldn't be telling if they own stuff, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, none of that stuff is ours anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like Dick Gregory always says, man, we don't have a community because we don't own anything in the so-called community. Everybody else owns things there. We may have one or two mom and pop shops, but we don't have our own banks. We don't have our own grocery stores. We don't have our own police. That's going to police us properly. So we don't, you know, we don't have our own schools. So at the end of the day, yes, we may live in these neighborhoods, but they're not our community. So I was just excited to see the young people step up and say, you know what, enough is enough. We're not going to just be pushed around like this. Like our voices have to be heard in some in some, some state form or fashion. And a lot of the elders, of course, uh, uh, disagree with that, and that's fine. You totally have, you know, your right to your opinion, and I'm not going to, you know, argue with you on that, but I feel that this is the only way these people take us serious when they see the youth start the rebellion and start to say, you know what, we're not going to continue to get sick while we're down. We're going to stand up and fight for ourselves. And I think that's the, that's the spirit that they want to inevitably kill. They want to kill that African warrior spirit that's in all of the young people, you know what I mean, and make them docile. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Kendrick Lamar uh, has an interview at the end of his album with Tupac, and Tupac said it perfectly. It was an interview never heard before, and they said it was an interview Pac did, I think, when he was in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. But he said, man, their goal is to kill every ounce of fight and, and, and warrior out of the black man before he turns 25 to 30. Because once he gets to 30, he just pretty much accepts whatever. He, he, like, he, he, he's done trying to fight. Like that spirit, that warrior in him has been, has been killed. You know what I mean? And, and, and looking at what happened in Baltimore, what happened in Ferguson, what happened in New York and all over this country, the same things are continuously happening. You're seeing how... They want to make us docile. They don't want us, you know, men to fight back and stand up for our, our families and for our communities. And it's insane, man. It is, it is absolutely insane. So shout out to the sister, a district attorney there who brought charges against these cops. And hopefully not only are they, you know, prosecuted, but these cats are charged and they're put away uh, for a very lengthy uh, period of time. So shout out to her because, you know, people was coming at her saying she was wrong. She shouldn't have did that. She didn't have enough evidence. The, the evidence is that Freddie Gray is dead. What more evidence needs to be brought forth? You know what I'm saying? It was excessive, and the man is no longer here with us today. So I don't know what more evidence one may need, but that's enough for me. So shout out to her because she did something that wasn't popular at the time. But another thing I want to talk about before we um, get ready and bring in our guest tonight is a lot of people check out The Breakfast Club, and I watch The Breakfast Club or listen to The Breakfast Club from day to day, checking out different artists that they have coming on and 
talking about their music and about their careers. And this past Friday, the Breakfast Club shook it up a little bit and went left, which I thought was great, in having Minister Louis Farrakhan on there. Did you get a chance to check out that interview? No, I, I heard about it, though. Okay. Well, you definitely got to go and check it out. I thought it was a very powerful interview. Um, and I'll say this. I don't want to spoil it for you. Well, basically, Farrakhan was talking about um, Ferguson and some of the things that you and I are talking about tonight, among some other hot topic issues that's taking place in this country today, and basically bringing it all around the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, um, which will be taking place in October um, back on um, uh, the mall in D.C., um, where it's going to be um, the anniversary and it's going to be speakers. It's going to be, you know, they're saying it's going to be bigger and better. Um, and a lot of people are anticipating a, a bigger crowd and, you know, and, and, and fair kind of saying he's going to make demands this time around. So I want to get your opinion about, um, since you didn't see the interview, what are your thoughts about 20 years passing since the Million Man March jumped off and how are we better or how are we worse since that, that particular time? Because one thing I can say about the Million Man March, it brought all of our brothers together. When you go and you look back on that date and that time, you had Christians, Muslims, you know, Hebrews, Moors. I mean, you had all melanated black men coming together for one cause to stand up together to, to to help save and love our families. And then when you look 20 years later, you know, what 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 do you see? Has there been any significant changes in that 20 years that has passed since 1995? Um, I can't say that there's been any significant changes. I'm sure there are a lot of micro changes, you know, because we are, there's the microcosm within the macro. And um, on, on like, a surface level, it seems like we're in the same state that we've been in because no solutions have come, if there are any that were made, have even seemed like they've come to fruition. But on individual Basis. I mean, I know, like, as far as me and what, how the Million Man March touched me in '95 to where I am now. Um, it definitely has helped me progress. I just don't know if it is if the community, because, um, like it has, I guess, been, you know, in the. In in the very recent past, like um, everybody is not on the same page. Uh, so by not being on the same page, people aren't necessarily working together as a grand whole. But then there may be definitely certain um, small communities of things that are going on that are helping those communities to progress we that we might not even necessarily know of. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to start your own school since then is is something um, that definitely I would have to say is just a product of, of that and the time and was necessary. And, I mean, because to me back then, like 1995, that was, that was an awakening. All of that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish I could have been at the first Million Man March. I mean, seriously, and I could have went. But that was for the men, and I knew my place. 
and I've watched it on TV. Because there's a, uh, there's a place for everybody, but we all have to be able to come together. And, you know, like, I guess that vision of that hasn't necessarily come together. We haven't been able to get a million people to come together and do something that grand, um, really. You know what I'm saying? Without, like, that one person leading it. And because we don't all follow that one particular person, people are going to have their gripes, you know. So that's where the whole individual things come in. Um, so I think it's happening, but it's just not happening or it hasn't happened on, like, this really grand scale to make it seem like things have changed. Um, when things definitely get worse, have gotten worse within that time, especially media, the media and um, the prison industrial capitalism and, you know what I'm saying, like a lot of things have gone wrong in between that time too. And when you look at things, it's like, wow, the pros are or are not outweighing the cons. So you tend not to see it because the, neg- the negative is overwhelming. Uh, but I definitely think that it's there. Not on a real grand scale. Absolutely, and I think it's important that for everybody that was around during the 90s, man, especially 95 when the William Man March went down, I think it's important that we get there this time. A lot of times um, we say we want to be there and support and stand with our brothers and sisters, and when it's time to do that, we we don't do it. So if you missed 95 like I did, definitely make sure that you're there this year, man. If you got children, especially young boys, Make sure you take them. Me and my sons will be making the trip. I'm excited. I'm looking at getting a group of brothers here in Ohio to go. And I know a lot of my homies from Chicago is going to be going as well because, you know, it's, it's a special moment and time in history. Um, and, and, and the voices of our people, especially our men, you know, they need to be heard. And the um, theme of, of it is called uh, Justice or Else. And it's going to be on um, um, the mall. Uh, the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Um, it'll be the uh, 20th anniversary of the Million Man March. Um, it's going to be on uh, Saturday, October the 10th. And we'll be having more conversations about this as the time draws closer, but it'll be Saturday, October the 10th. Um, and, and, and the minister is, is asking everyone to bring their family. So me and my sons will be in attendance. And I hopefully everybody that you know listens to this show and other shows like it, will have their families there as well. It's going to be something that's very, very important. And um, I just think it's a very, very um, serious time and a serious point in our history uh, where we need to get refocused and we really need to start looking at these things um, a little bit more serious and taking heed because we don't want things to keep repeating themselves over and over again. We have to start um, invoking some real change as it pertains to these types of uh, topics and issues as it pertains to our community. So, uh, we're going to take a quick song break, and then we'll be right back with our very special guest, Brother Nasi, is in the building. I see his number here, so we're going to go to him. Um, so let's take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be right back. This is Brother Insight and Sister Rhythm on the Insightful Hour. And uh, the song we want to get into right now um, is by my main man, Kendrick Lamar, and this song is called um, um, The Black of the Bear. No, this song is called um, How Much for a Dollar. Thank you. 
really cost? The question is detrimental, paralyzed in my thoughts Parasites in my stomach keep me with a gut feeling, y'all Gotta see how I'm chilling once I park this luxury car Hopping out, feeling big as Wu Tumbo 20 on pump six, Tony Marcellus called me Dumbo 20 years ago, came for gifts, now I can lend them my era too How to stack these residuals tenfold The liberal concept that men are due 2006, they didn't hear me Indigenous African only spoke Zulu, my American tongue was leery Walked out the gas station, a homeless man with a steady tan Complexion asked me for 10 grand, stressing about dry land Deep water, powder, blue skies that crack open A piece of crack that he wanted, I knew he was smoking He begged and pleaded, asked me to feed him twice I didn't believe it, told him beat it Contributed money just for his pipe, I couldn't see it He said, my son, temptation is one thing that I've defeated Listen to me, I want a single bill from you Nothing less, nothing more I told him I didn't have it Then close my door Tell me how much a diamond cost
Peace, peace, peace. Peace. Welcome back to the Insightful Hour. That was my man Kendrick Lamar with How Much a Dollar Calls from his album to Temple Butterfly. Real, real dope record. Sister Rhythm, you back with me? Yep, I'm here. Okay. All right, cool. Just wanted to make sure you was in the queue. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in our next guest. Like I said earlier at the top of the hour, this brother is no stranger to the Insightful Hour. This is his third time on the show and I was just sitting here thinking during the song break, the last time we had him on the show, him and Fred Hampton Jr., Chairman Fred Hampton Jr., was giving us live updates from Ferguson just last summer. So it's funny how we just had our conversation talking about Baltimore, and this brother was on the front lines with our people back in Ferguson last year, the last time we had him on the show. So I want to give it up to my good brother, my good friend, Brother Nasi. What's going on, brother? What's good, big brother? How's everything? Man, everything is great, my brother. How are you and the beautiful family and the children? Oh man, we good, man. We just we just making it out here, man. Trying to do better things with our lives, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, man. So, just just to get your input and your take on this whole Baltimore thing, because like I just said, the last time you was on the show, you was here with us, uh, giving us live reports and updates from Ferguson. You and uh, brother Chairman Fred Hampton Jr. Man, what are your thoughts on this whole uh, uh, Baltimore thing? Um, being that you were on the front lines in, in uh, Ferguson, and I don't know if you got a chance to get to Baltimore or not, but what was your thoughts about the whole, you know, Freddie Gray thing jumping off in Baltimore? Well, I was I was um, actually there in Baltimore when uh, they were having the riots and the protests and stuff like that, and um, you know, it was a different atmosphere. I can actually say that when i when I went to uh, Ferguson i can see I could see the level of rebellion and aggression in the people face, but what I've seen in uh Baltimore is a different level of of oppression and when I say with oppression, I'm dealing with how much how much artillery they had out there when I went to Ferguson, I remember I told you I turned around and behind the buildings they had uh, uh mobile military spots and stuff like that well that was okay. But when the thing that you, we, we noticed that Ferguson was only a couple of blocks of protest. The thing about Baltimore, the whole city was under um, um, National Guard, um, also the military. You also had cops. You had the Baltimore cops. You had the Maryland cops. Yeah, you, you know, it was just it was like every group, every corner. You see Humvees and, and, and four men with armed rifles. It was just a whole different scene than Ferguson. It was like. Uh, the, the the rebellion and the rioting wasn't as strong or aggressive at, at the time that I went there, just because of the level of security that was there. Um, like the cops, the cops played an important role in the function of of what goes on inside of the, the, the cops play an important role in what goes on inside of the violence. But the military presence was there just to perform, um, you know, little military maneuvers or endeavors, and, and to just to try to express their dominance over the people. So we've seen a lot of that. So when you when you was in Baltimore, a lot of times when it turned nighttime and nightfall, the nightfall shifted the whole atmosphere. It turned into this whole uh, eerie type feeling with people out there with masks and glowing faces. Um, actually, some um, um, retaliating at the cops, but for the main part, it wasn't our people. It was just uh, uh, provocateurs as we know it. So, but you know, we, we leave a big hole in our communities. Because our people are looking for deliverance and they're looking for heroes, and yet when we when we're not there in the front line, the people have the same old people that come up there, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and uh, people just to dumb down our community. You know, 
Um, when I when I got there, I was out there at one of the protests, and they was uh, protesting for the rights of the uh, transgender and homosexuals, and, and vote for such and such. He'll he'll make sure things change, and transgenders can do this. I mean, so you you have that atmosphere that's still creeping in and taking advantage of the people and trying to get them to vote. But there's nothing to vote for anymore. The truth is what we have to do is start governing ourselves. So the information I brought when we was in Baltimore basically was just how we are people, we are foreign people, we are people that is not of this uh, uh, country. We we fall under the Foreign Immunity Acts. You know what I'm saying? So this is kind of the information that we were bringing to the people. And in Isaiah, I think the 10th chapter, it speaks and says that um, um, it talks about our redemption and our salvation to come when we fight and remove ourselves from the hands of the oppressor and stop stop eating out the hands of the oppressor. And I think it's that time now. We never can get justice from people who don't understand us. They think of us as being uncivilized because of our, our images that's portrayed in the media. And that's sometimes it's, it's planned and sometimes it's a natural reaction of a fear that they have. So when we govern ourselves, we can understand certain things in the community, such as things that are bothering our people. Like, for example, let's say you have a child that maybe um, 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 is bipolar. Um, and, and when he's bipolar, he goes into little tangents and, he goes off and he goes and fighting and or, or goes off and be a little aggressive. Me, knowing if I governed and I was a police officer of my own community, I can make the assessment that, no, this, he's going through one of his phases. He's going through one of his problems. Or maybe there's somebody in the community that may get drunk and he's a drunkard and everybody knows him and they can realize, they can realize that, 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 that they can realize that there is somebody that is, there for them, and they understand that there's something going wrong with these people. So I can make a proper assessment not to uh, attack him or shoot him because I understand these people more. So this is what happens when you have people who don't understand your culture, don't understand your dialect, don't understand the the, the way you look, the way you dress, and they're out there and 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 armed. And perfect perfect example, they have a, a, a cocky and pompous attitude about them that they're better than us, first of all, because they're officers. And then plus the images that we portray, and some of us portray these images for uh, small cash or money or record deals or, or reality shows. So these people think that we actually live like this, and every person that, that is of color is barbaric and primitive in some actions. So this is why we have to take back our media. And one of the things Devon Prospect did is he was out there, he had his media badge, he was interviewing everybody, he stayed out there past curfew, running, um, hiding, you know, you know, it was just aggressive and he was risking his life and his freedom just to give that information to the people. So I think it's imperative, man, that we see and wake up that you don't have to protest, you don't have to riot. We just have to get together. And, and we can be our own we can buy our own city. We can move to our own city, control the population and take over and vote ourselves into office. Or we can move into our own land and commu- uh, and, and, and govern ourselves with no dealing from the outside society. And this is how other groups and other societies and communities do it. I mean, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We've seen Z York did it. We've seen the um, 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 we've seen the Amish do it. We see the, the Amish do people it. doing it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they 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 do it. Only how the government get them is when there's some uh, some acts of, of of sexual abuse done to children. So this is the only how the government get in there because they have to be a victim. As long as there's no victim, the cop cannot have no right or jurisdiction over you. But as making victims and we are oppressing people inside our own communities, then we give them this doorway. You understand? So this is what happens. And when we assimilate in communities, like perfect example, I know you've seen the video with the pool party, right? Uh, the kids at the pool party. Yeah, yeah, I just watched that before the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, so somebody called and somebody yelled at one of the kids, told them, why are you here? Why don't you get you a Section 8 community or something like that? And, and and that's bad, but at the same time, I'm not mad at the lady that said that. You know why? Because we're trying to we're trying to move up and become a part of their society and their community when they don't have that level of respect for us. So now that gives them the ability to call their cops on us anytime they want to. And we have the opportunity to just uplift our communities, go into some of these impoverished communities, and build them back up and, and 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 police ourselves. And you see, the Europeans are doing it now. They're going into the hoods now, and they're taking over the hoods. They're cleaning them up and they're rebuilding the houses and refurbishing them, and 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 they're living close to society, close to the city where we were, you know. So there's things that we could just evaluate and reassess. Absolutely. And before we get into the main topic, Sister Rhythms had a quick question she wanted to ask you as it pertains to this 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 very subject. Before we get into our main topic for tonight, go ahead, Sis. Yes, peace. Thanks for being on the show again. I just had to say Thank before you. I. Uh, yes. Um, okay, I saw a lot of video footage, and I, to preface everything once again, um, everything that you said made a whole lot of sense, a lot. It makes so much sense. It, like, connects the dots for, I would have to say, people who don't understand um, what was really going on because, it's always about these um, people who are provoking things to happen and people are going to react. And you have to understand what you are reacting to. Uh, but <clears throat> one of the, a lot of the video footage that I saw was, like, outside of their neighborhood, you know, which seemed really empowering to me. But I just want to know, since you were down there, uh, because I saw a few videos and it was like um, they didn't do anything to their own specific neighborhoods. Yeah, they rioted neighborhoods, but it was downtown. It was in the rich people's area. Like the rich people were getting their cars busted into or whatever. You know, like um, did you see it all over the place or was it, like outside of their neighborhoods, like the later videos that I saw. Well, well, well you know, um, Baltimore has a harbor, and that's kind of the expensive area. That's where they market. That, that's where a lot of times they market people to come into Baltimore by the beauty and the elegance of the harbor area. And there was rioters. There was rioters that did break into the stores that were in that area. And the funny thing about it, when you look into it, when there were certain stores that were broken into, there were only stores that were foreign stores. You understand what I'm saying? So these are the things, like, um, um, of the same thing they did, like, perfect example, they put a, there, there was a black pharmacy there, right? And the black pharmacy that's sitting right there um, was almost put out of business by the Walgreens they put right, up, right back on the corner. So in turn, the people burned down the Walgreens. You know what oh. I'm saying? So it, it, it wasn't like... Like you said, it's a happy feeling, but a sad feeling. But it's like right. now it's coming with strategy, and our people are not ignorant no more. When people say, "Well, you know, they're just out there protesting, they're doing this for nothing," and they're not. They're people that 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 are upset and aggressive. And the same, yeah. the same, the same energy that our music produces, it produces a rebellious generation. That same rebellious generation has the capability and ability to rebel and buck the system, and that's what we see happening. And, and and there are certain people that's inside of the communities that are teaching them strategies and how to be more militant 
and what to do. So there is an undercurrent of a black power situation where people are feeling empowered about what they're doing. And if you do attack this, then attack something that's foreign and it's something that's not of ours. So mm-hmm. our, our, rioting, our rioting, our protest is, is getting more clever. And each time it gets more clever, then real one one time, one city will get it, and the revolution will be accurately accurately um, 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 brought to reality. And this is just a time and time error. Just like the the cops are playing games with us and systematically seeing how many people they want to see who's going to come out. I I seen a, I seen the um, one of the um, people in the Humvees. One of the people was sitting on top of the Humvees, and somebody hit him in the head with a brick. He did not respond. You know they 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 dusted they dusted the brick off. He did not respond because they are only there for a certain level of 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 rioting. They're only there to show their prowess. It's just like a military. Uh, um, um, if you look at um, Taharka, Taharka, uh, Egyptian pharaoh, he wasn't he wasn't in charge of the charge of the Delta region. But when he was a high ranking general, he used to just go to the uh, um, Delta region and perform military expeditions just to show that the, the 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 Asiatics don't come in this area. So this is the same this is the same tactic that the Europeans are using. Like perfect example, we went down there they had uh, uh, officers riding on 20 20 line horses. Like what are the horses going to do? This is just for show. But they want to see who is going to save these people. What is going to come up? They want to know what they got to prepare for and every time each city is a test so when we say don't protest, don't do this, no, it's good to show yourself and show that you are not going to let anything happen, but we don't have to beg them for anything. We can just take everything we want. And, not, and I'm not talking about rioting. I'm talking about taking our, own, taking our own identity and our independence back. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you, Brother Nasi, man, for, um, for, for getting into that discussion and helping us close out one of our hot topics for tonight. I appreciate it. And definitely respect the Nasi, Brother Divine Prospect, and to all the brothers that's putting their lives on the line and out there going to these cities and doing the work, man, instead of just talking about it but actually being about it. Now, let's get into our main subject and our main, you know, topic for the evening. And we're asking the question tonight, are we truly honoring our sacred our sacred women? And Brother Nasi, Minister Inky, Sister Bunnings, and uh, I forget who else is going to be there. You can inform us who's going to be there, but you guys, uh, pretty much have uh, uh, an event uh, slash conference taking place in Harlem in a couple weeks, and you guys are going to be discussing this very topic. But before I ask you the main question for tonight, um, to let our listener audience you know know that don't know, Brother Nasi is a Hebrew Israelite, and explain to the people how um, things work within within your within your your religion as it pertains to women. Because a lot of times, you know, I always hear people misspeak about the Hebrews. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not true. They don't do this to women. They don't do that to women. You know, people always have their misconceptions as it pertains to certain people's religion or practices without knowing. They're going off of a bunch of, you know, hearsay and not, you know, having friends, you know, like yourself that are in the religion, that practice and, and that are faithful to the religion. So they don't know. So explain to the people what it's like being in, 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 in the Hebrew Israelite faith and how the women are treated before we get to our main question for the night. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, 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 and this is a part of the topic, so this is real good. Um, the, the event is June 21st. Is at Black National Theater. We try, we're trying to do something where 
we're trying to be effective in our community and heal. I know a lot of things we may be liberating or fighting black nationalism and doing all this, which is excellent. We have to always stay in the front line. But we also have to be, we also understand that there's a war going on in most of our households, that we have to be men and we have to be women to figure out what what, what makes us different. Now, when you say that, you know, you, you defend in the perspective of Israelites, I would make this statement. When people say, well, this goes on in the community, this goes on in the Hebrew Israelite community, um, they're correct, whether it's negative or positive. Um, and, th- and this will align with any community. And, and, and this is what I say. When people read books or spiritual books, it's their perception that creates their reality. Somebody can take anything positive and make it a negative. It is just how the mind is, how the person works. Just like um, if you've ever seen the, um, uh, what's the book of Eli or the movie, two people fighting for the same book. One has a mind to liberate people with it. The other people have a mind to oppress people with it. You see that uh, you have um, maybe the higher class, the hierarchy of, of people that created this government and Freemasonry and are connected to Egyptology, but there are certain brothers that are uh, Egyptologists that are using it to liberate the people. You see that um, there are some churches that uh, make our people docile and, and, and just servitude the subservient to the system. But there were people that used that same book, um, such as Harriet Tubman, such as uh, um, um, all our leaders that had Nat Turner, to Nat Turner, um, Khalid Muhammad, all of them that used the scriptures to liberate our people. So when we say that there are certain people that that do this, then there's people that's hearkening on the negativity inside of uh, of groups. Perfect example. I've seen um, I've seen a, a, a post somebody put. And they showed a picture of Hebrew Israelites dressed in culture, and they said, damn, religion is a powerful drug. So, But this is an Afrocentric person, right? So they're putting up a picture of a Hebrew Israelite dressed in garbs, telling them or saying that their, their, their religion is a drug, having them dressed stupid. But if we were supposed to some, 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 um, some Afro, uh, African garb or priestly garbs, they would look similar to the same garbs that we were wearing as people, but somebody would never say anything negative to it. So sometimes our people are mentally oppressed and have been abused, and sometimes they use their education and knowledge and information to oppress others. So, yes, in the Hebrew-Israelite community, there is a lot of negativity, just like there is in a so-called conscious community inside of relationships and oppression of women. A lot of times our women are suppressed in the community because people use, they use doctrines in the patriarchal dominant society to keep women silent instead of utilizing their feminine energy to have production of social, uh, social aspects and communities. Anytime you see us, when we say the conscious community, that's false because community has, to, community has to do with commune, which is commerce and all these other things, and we have to actually have places where we live and we dwell amongst each other. We have none of that. Why is that? People could say, well, the black woman is the goddess, but if the black woman was the goddess and we lost her skills, the woman is social. Her brain works with social, um, um, social aspects and community-orientated. So when a woman, when a woman is uh, um, a mate to a man, she has an ethnocentric uh, 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 um, a belief system that comes when she secretes oxytocin. When her secretion of oxytocin, which is called the bonding hormone, it bonds her to that man and makes her uh, uh, more productive in her clan or group that she's in. So women who are social, are social people and, and, and into community building, if there is no community, which we don't have, that means that there is oppression of, of our women. And there is no group that we know, as far as I know, there are Hebrew Israelite communities that do have small villages located inside of America, 
But as far as I know, there are not many other groups that have actual communities where they have school systems, where they have all of these people living around each other. Uh, um, some Morris communities, some Morris communities do, but this is very rare. So that's in symbolic in itself is a representation of oppression that is based upon the oppression of the feminine energy. Because if it was feminine energy inside of a lot of these communities that we speak of, then we would have our schools, then we would have our uh, 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 communities. Then we would gather, we have gathering houses, we would have storefronts, we would have all of these things because this is what our sisters represent inside of our community. So when we speak of Israelite oppression, this is not just the Israelite oppression. This is a black people oppression. They sit there, women, whether they know it or not. And some, some, sometimes subconsciously we think that we're liberated or we're conscious, but in that same mind frame we are causing our people to spiral out of control because we are elevating people into positions that they don't belong in. And we will see this with our males. Our males are also driven by lust and desires. And then two, our males control that. And two, our males control that who are the leaders. There's always going to be oppression of the women. And not to down anybody that makes a mistake. All men make mistakes. We all, I know you, D, we, you made mistakes. I made mistakes. Everybody on this phone, we make mistakes. But now what we do with our mistakes, how do we learn from our mistakes? How do we begin to change our mistakes? Even if we made a mistake yesterday, it doesn't mean we can't change. It doesn't make us an evil person. We just have to acknowledge our mistakes and understand that there's something that we can get from it and to move on from it. And we have to change our environment and our, uh, our community or how we live in because sometimes the music that we listen to, the people we hang around, lead us into sin, into iniquity, and to um, inadvertently oppress the, the feminine energy that surrounds us. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. That is very powerful. And the phone lines is jumping. I haven't even got a chance to ask the first question. And I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to give it to Sister Rhythm with her question. So my next question is, and then we're going to be with Brother Nasi until 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's 6.55. we got an hour and five minutes left. So if you got any questions, call 619-393-2813, 619-393-2813. And that leads me to my first question, which is the topic uh, or, or the title of the show, uh, are we truly honoring our sacred women, in your in your opinion, Brother Nasi? And, and I'm not just talking about our Hebrew Israelite brothers or our Moorish brothers or the conscious brothers. I'm talking about all melanated brothers as a whole. We're grouping ourselves all together right now. We're not going to separate ourselves. But from your vantage point, I know you've traveled this country. You've been to Ohio. You've been to St. Louis. You've been to Baltimore. You've been to New York. You live down in Atlanta. From your vantage point, are we honoring our women? And the way we should, in your opinion. Um, I, I I I believe that we're not, and I think we're far from it. I think that we're on the cusp. Um, we're on the cusp of doing it, but there are certain things that we have to acknowledge as individuals, and we have to realize that there are certain positions that takes a, a feminine energy in order for that. So it's, it's related to are we honoring our women? I don't think we are. And there are there are couples that are have women being venerated to the position that they need to be. Um and this is one of the things that we have to realize as a people. So I I agree I agree that there are things that we are doing to make steps in in, in an area and that's why on June twenty first we we wanna dispel a lot of things. I have a book coming out, you know, um the first book I have written, H of Science of Love, which is a relationship book, you know, um I think that the relationships are very imperative. I'm also a counselor, so it allows me to deal with uh, 
psychology, um, the mind. I also wrote a book on meditation, but I have another book coming out called The Queen's Sacrifice, which will be um, on, out on June 21st, and it's dealing with understanding the mind of a, a black sister um, through the biblical text, you know, and I'm not talking about the European text that we read from. I'm talking about the real breakdown of what it's actually saying, and I, I want to um, this this prove some of these uh, notions that people have about our communities and all. So there's a lot of liberation that needs to be for our women, and that means our women have to hold high positions in office in order for these things to happen. And sometimes our liberation comes to the form of a woman, and we see that throughout the scriptures when we look at our prophetess Deborah, or we see it with Yael, we see it with the prophetess Holder. So we see this many times that our liberation has to come some, in some aspects when the men are weak. And who and are the men weak in this time? Yes, they are. So now what the, what the scriptures does is talks about cycles. So when, when 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 the men were weak in the scriptures, there were always strong women that came up and they fought and they filled the positions and still kept their feminine still kept their feminine aspect until the man was able to get on their feet and do what they had to do. And I think we're in the times now where we need uh, our sisters um, um, to to realize their power and who they are. Um, they're very intuitive. They're very close to the Creator. They have gut feelings. They they are able to sense things that you don't sense as a man. Um, when we look at uh, a, a woman in general, we have to hold their high position. You look at the scriptures. The scriptures, you always see that our mothers are found by wells of water. But what do wells of water symbolize? Well, water symbolizes life. And in and, and, and that well, you have to dig deep to pull out that source of life. And not all men can go and, and, and pull water from the source of life. But it also represents the ayin. The word ayin is used for this word well, which means an eye. And the third eye area, which is the limbic system inside of the woman, is actually larger than it is in the male. So that means they deal with a lot of intuition. So when we're dealing with the intuitive aspect, we have to realize a lot of things women do to us doesn't make rational or logical sense. But it's based off of instinct. So because they can't express it through a rational aspect, we, we tend to just chalk it up to them being emotional when they actually know what's going on, even though they don't have an explanation, they have a gut feeling. Uh, perfect example, many of us as a man, um, and this is why we suppress our women because we don't understand them, you know. So we we think that something is mentally wrong with them, and 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 at the same time we think that we are we are all together ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with us. So let's look at this from a deeper perspective. Sometimes you may have a you may have boys around you, and your wife don't like this one guy in your group, and you would pick him out, and you would say, hey, you know, no, he's cool, he's cool, and she, I just don't like him, I just don't like him. Well, there's two things. Either she picked up a sense of spirit upon them that you can't see because you're blindly trying to fit into a, a social status and make yourself move up to a higher level and, 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 um, and big yourself up, or there was something that she's defending you from where she already seen or witnessed that she's trying not to tell you because she don't want you to jeopardize your freedom. So there's a lot of things that may not make sense to us as males, but we have to learn to understand and sometimes trust our women's intuition. Wow, that is powerful. And I know every brother that's listened to this show tonight, whether you listen online or you call the number, you have experienced that before. I have experienced that with my wife, with my mom, with my grandmother, aunts. It's always that one cat. they like, oh, it's something about him I'm not feeling. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But uh, let's go to Sister Rhythm, and i let her get her question before we open up the phone lines. Okay, yes, and I, I definitely agree with you. As well, um, you know, you actually um, hit on some points that I don't think many people do. Um, 
and it's all about being able to uh, understand what's going on and not dismiss it as something else. Um, you know, and I want to ask a question. I don't know if you saw this, um, but it was a uh, – look, I don't even know if I could pronounce it properly – um, the memes or the memes or whatever they call it, um, you know, one of those pictures on Facebook. The meme. So, okay, meme. Um, so it was four different pictures of mothers doing um, things that, or women doing things that they shouldn't do. <clears throat> uh, I completely disagree with you know, the images in the pictures. Um, and it, it was like one with a mother and a daughter twerking. The other one was the mother and the son, like, dressed alike, and the mother, the son is looking at the mother, you know, with this really happy face. Um, it was another one where, and he's, this is all the same image. Uh, it is two, I guess, homosexual girls and, one of them is the stud, and she ain't got no shirt on, and she really don't have no titties, but she got titties. Um, and, look, I because of that one, I can't even think of the fourth one. But what was posted was this is the reason why our um, community is the way it is. And I don't know if I particularly agree with that. I do agree that those um images are uh they I, I feel like they pose for the pictures so you really should have more self respect and not do that. But in it within that it, it kinda negates uh what society has done to even make this something that people think are or is acceptable. Um so I don't know if you if you saw the picture at all, but the caption is, I guess, what I want you to respond to. Um, it, it said, you know, with all these different women's images of doing these derogatory things, like this is the reason why our community is the way that it is. And I, I don't know okay. if I well, necessarily huh? agree with No, you got I got you. I got you. I understand. Well, I, I'll explain it like this, um, and, and I definitely agree with what you're saying, I, but, I, but I have to tackle it from this um, angle. Um, I think that we both have to take responsibility, both male and female, to, to really realize when the person points the finger, usually that person that's pointing the finger is the problem. So whoever put that caption up or, uh, is, is a part of the problem. Um, let's look at these women uh, uh, twerking. The reason why you have these young women twerking with their with their daughters is because there is no protect there is no male protecting them, and the reason why I say that is because sometimes what we may deem as just being innocent, and sometimes mothers are empaths. They deal off a nurturing aspect, and they sympathize with certain they sympathize with things that are wrong with their child, even though it may be wrong at times. But the men is that aggressive, protective nature that gives balance to the feminine nature that stops some of that stuff from happening. But a lot of things, how I believe, is that if we are the males and we call ourselves uh, uh, the heads of the households, then if there's a problem inside of our households, then the managers and the coaches have to t- have to deal with it and take responsibility for it. And one of the things, when you see our sisters uh, going into lesbianism or find themselves experimenting with another sister, half of that, a lot of times, is that that's male-driven. 
you, and this is the thing that we have to understand. Women are already naturally. They did a survey recently, and this is in the book. I talked in my new book on uh, um, the Queen Sacrifice. Um, recently, they surveyed women, even heterosexual women, and sixty uh, percent of them had uh, um, um, uh, a desire, a lesbian desire, or to be with the same sex, but never acted on it. Right. So, because naturally, women empathize with one another. So when they become one another counselors, they become they become one that they seek out to. Or so they get emotionally attached to each other. But a lot of times, this when we when we abuse our women physically or sexually or whatever, it opens up a gateway for them to find a way out. All it curse it hurts their mind. And what they realize in the in the human brain, right? And I spoke of this earlier, is that when there's um, the cortex are underdeveloped when there's traumatization. Now, traumatization can come from anywhere. Um, it could be a sexual traumatization. People say, oh, you must have been sexually abused. That's why you're gay or something like that. But sometimes that's not true. And, and because the smallest the smallest traumatization could be verbal abuse. Now, the verbal abuse, a woman can be in a house, and since she's so empathetic, if she's watching her mother get torn down, then she, she'll eventually empathize with her mother and take on her mother's feelings, and she will automatically have a fear of man. So she will fear because men are seems like they are hurt or, or men are mean. So she develops a fear not off of physical abuse but just verbal abuse alone. And sometimes a lot of our women believe that they were born this way or they're acting in certain ways because they were born this way because they're not allowed to connect. The, the verbal abuse is actually what is diminishing their uh, cortex from being developed because the brain alters its patterns in order for people to not be in pain or suffer so long. So it has it changes course. So when we start to realize these things and understand the development of this fear that we have, and where is this in the scriptures? There's a portion where there's a spies that go out into the land and they go to the land of Hebron and there's three giants. And later on the three giants are slew, but the people were scared because they brought back cluster branches that were bigger than them. Now when you look at Hebron, Hebron is a confederation is where the people came to plan. This city is a biblical city. But the confederation or what people plan is dealing with uh, frontal lobe of the brain. And later when they go down, where's the clusters? The clusters are the two amygdalas. The amygdalas deal with fear inside of your brain. Women, since their limbic system is bigger, so is their amygdala. Their amygdala, it reacts longer than males, so they hold in pain longer than males. They hold in anger longer than males. They hold it for a long time, and their memory stores it and stores it. That's why we have to understand that when dealing with women, we're dealing with somebody that's very, very tender. And until we understand the tender aspect of our women and we treat them the way they need to be treated, then we don't understand the problems that's in society. And what a woman does, she becomes vindictive because in her frontal lobe, in, a, in, in the amygdala, serotonin is being released. So she's able to activate the fear. The fear is there. But with a man, when, you, when a woman's amygdala go off, it turns into fear and aggression. When a man, he deals with fear a little different, he's more poised. But a woman don't react on aggression because of the level of serotonin that's being released when she's scared. So she almost becomes, almost becomes docile in the fear state. But when that serotonin stops releasing, later her, 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 her vindictive ways and her plots come out. So she holds on to something longer and may not respond initially, but later on that devastation is going to come, and it may come even greater than what it was when it was, if it initially came out. So understanding our sisters, we have to understand how the male works too. But once we start understanding each other, we can put the blame on ourselves because we all play the part in destroying one another. Yes, yes, thank you. That was 
so true and very well said. Thank you. Wow. That was that was powerful, my brother. The phone lines are jumping. So um, let's see if we got some people that want to ask some questions. It's 7 10. 10 after 7, we got Brother Nassif for 50 more minutes. Uh, let's go to Chi-Town. I think they did just raise their hand. 312-339. 312-339. Call the station in during the Insightful Hour. Chi-Town caller, 312-339. You're on the Insightful Hour. Okay, well, dang. Chicago caller, you there? I didn't have a question, but greetings, all. Oh, okay. How you doing? All right, I thought I saw your your, your Um, Well, this is Iris. Oh, that's all right, but I can can come up with one. Um, Great statement. (laughs) Greetings, uh, Sister Rhythm and my brother Diallo and our uh, appreciated guest. Um, I agree with the statements that are said. I guess uh, my question would go more to is, how do we redirect the injury, uh, redirect the energy that in its current state and begin to focus more on how we kill one another and move from this toxic energy into our being? Well, and that's an excellent question, and, and it's, it's, it's a hard question to answer, but we have to take it step by step. One form of, 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 of rejuvenation is cellular rejuvenation comes through meditation. Um, meditation is like resetting. We have to practice this resetting. We have to practice peacefulness. We have to understand that forgiving. Now, one of the things, like you said, we don't forget, but we can forgive. Now, let's say a person has been hurt in their childhood and this person has violently affected them. You don't have to forgive for them. Who you do have to forgive is for yourself. Because when you harbor hatred, then there's no peace inside of yourself, and it alters your communication. Like, perfect example, we have to understand that everybody is not the same. So we have to be calm and be careful. Like, perfect example, if I was a man that beat you, and after I beat you every time I tell you I love you, then love will become a danger word or a trigger word that triggers fear and brings up memories of, of aggression. So now I have to show you that love is nothing like, and this is through communication. You have to express yourself. We both have to express ourselves. So if you say, well, I don't like it when you use love. I actually had a woman that say, I, I tell her I love her too much. So we have to say, well, you know, I don't like the word love, and I have to ask you, why don't you like the word love? Why does love bother you? Because, because, because it just does. Well, no, that's not going to help our situation. Why does, why, why does it? You know, and, and a lot of times what we have to realize is we think that opening up communication is that easy, but it's not. A lot of times women suppress how they feel because we tie how they feel into being petty. So what? So a lot of times what our sisters do, when they come with a real issue and they tell you what their problem is, and we say, oh, that's petty. And in their mind, they say, oh, that's petty? So they shut down. So usually they create other problems, but the other problems are actually representing the problem at hand that you pushed under the carpet as being petty, but she had to get her aggression out some ways. So now communication is very imperative. We have to, you know what, but stop putting up this, and this is dangerous. We get on Facebook, we act like we meditate, and we act like our, our pineal gland is open. We act like all of this stuff. So let's stop playing games. Let's be real with one another and say, hey, I have problems. I have issues. And, 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 and I need you as my lover 
as my friend to work me through it. And the male say, you know what, I, I have problems and issues too. There's certain things that you say that trigger me, and it could be in me. So once we stop and putting that, putting that little, that, that fake image out there that I'm better than you and I'm fully developed or things don't bother me, then we can actually get to the issues. And this is what we have to do. We have to love someone enough to let them know that we're ready to take this face, fake mask off. Because all of us, everything you see, everything we see on social media is fake. It's completely fake. It, 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 there's no reality behind it. What it is is a vision that somebody has of a person that they want to be. They are actually putting their heroes on Facebook, but the person that's behind the hero is just like the Wizard of Oz or the movie The Wiz. When they went back there, they they seen it. It wasn't it wasn't what it was. So these are the things that we have to realize when you get into a relationship. I am not the god. I am not the goddess. I am not this. I am not at that level yet. I am a person that's been through a lot. And I have problems expressing myself. Well, you know what? I have the problems expressing myself, too. You know, oh, yeah, well, how do you deal with it? I don't know how to deal with it. Well, this is what I try to do. And then we can open up real dialogue instead of pretending to be somebody we're not. And that's some of the biggest problems that we have. When you love somebody, in truth, you can tell them what's wrong with you, and they'll be all right with it, and they'll work you through it. Mm. As, wow. as long as, like, perfect, usually with people, when you're dealing with psychology, in order to heal them, you have to give them something. You have to share something about yourself that is almost equivalent or uh, that has, has the same value. So when you give them that, they'll say, oh, he just gave this to me. And, and you know, it's a song by India Ivy called He Heals Me. And I, and, and, I, and I listen to the song because am I a professional in what I'm doing? No. But I'm learning step by step as I go along. You know, I I, I am a man of uh, a poly- polygyny. I have two wives. And sometimes sometimes I mix the same emotions with one as the other when they are two different entities. And sometimes I'm basing myself off of how I feel. A lot of times our emotions are negatively driven into our minds, and they're not the reality. They just create our reality so we perceive things to be negative. And a lot of times when we shut down, we have to be able to express ourselves. When somebody says, what's wrong with you? You can really say that I'm in my feelings right now. I don't even know if this is a real feeling or not. Well, boo, what's wrong with you? What did I do? Well, I just, when you did this, I thought you was meaning that. Oh, no, boo. That's not what I was doing. He's like, oh, okay. See, we, one of the things my brother Hashar, he says this to me, and, and it was dealing with a man-on-man relationship because all relationships are similar in some aspects. Um, he said the problem with men is that we don't know how to tell the brother, you hurt my feelings. Now, that may seem like it's not deep at all, but in truth is the answer to all our questions because instead of saying you hurt my feelings, we react with an aggressive response to whatever is coming against us. So now it's imperative to us to express that we hurt our feelings, and if your feelings were hurt, then maybe we can talk about it. And sometimes our feelings are hurt because there's insecurities that we're dealing with that were either from a prior relationship or they're from the relationship that we're in. And these are the challenges we have before us. Wow. Brother Nasi is going in tonight. If you got a question for the brother, call 619-393-2813, 619-393-2813, press 1. I'm telling you, my wife is sitting here listening. She's like, you do that to me every so often. You know what I'm saying? You'll say that that's petty or that's not that serious. So you're absolutely right, brother. I got to I gotta take that, that, that flavor file for the team. You're absolutely right. 
Um, and and I, I believe that it's something that we all have to work on and we all have to be conscious of because we are wired totally different than our sisters, and we have to understand that the way that we react to certain things, they're not going to react the same way that we do. So I, I agree, man. And if you don't have his book, man, please get his book. It is a powerful book. Out of all the people that I work with and have in town for lectures and go and see and do work with, Brother Nasi has been to Columbus. We brought him to Cleveland as well as Cincinnati. He's one of the few brothers that my wife actually enjoys and, and check out his work. So he's a great, great brother, man. And definitely it's a book. If you're courting, if you're married, it's definitely a book that you definitely, oh, if you want to be courting, it's a book that you definitely want to have uh, for your catalog and, um, and and put in your personal library. But, um, and you know what I want? I want to say before I forget and before you move on, yes, sir. I, I apologize. Yes, sir. And I want no, to say this first and foremost, man. I, you know, I never received love from a family like I had when when you took us into your house, and 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 just we ate good, we talked good, we had breakfast. It was real family orientated. Your wife is beautiful. She's a beautiful soul, and and these things are important. And I think that America has us believe that men and women are equal. And what I mean by equal. Is mean that they are the same individuals. They are not. Perfect example. Um, a woman uh, has a bigger corpus callosum than men, meaning that her brain wires right from left, meaning that she can um, she masters communication. And she's also in the Bible when it says a help me, that is just like a European dumbing down what a woman's job is. She's supposed to help me. But the word is as their key neck though, and I and I and I spoke about this in the Exodus memorial. But what it actually means is help oppose. Mm. And when we look at that from when we look at that from that aspect, we understand that there's a balance that she brings, that there is a level of opposition that she is supposed to give you in a peaceful manner. But neged also, this is the root word of neg though, also deals with communication. She is communication. That is her strong point. That's why sometimes in a negative aspect she's 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 good at manipulation or gossip, but in the positive aspect she's good at motivating a man to do something that he haven't even uh, wasn't able to do. And that's what we got to realize. So when we when, when our women want to express themselves or talk, we have to open up the forum for them to do that because this is how they communicate. This is how they express themselves. This is how they relieve themselves. But sometimes we shut down as men, and a lot of times when we when women when we do shut down, it's not because we're not we're not trying to fill you. We compartmentalize well. See, and what I mean by that is if we're dealing with something, we're dealing with that one thing. We are not multitasking. We'll shut everything else down. So if a man is doing something and you come in and you say, hey, boo, what you doing? We would, we would actually have to reset ourselves and get out of our mode and get out of our mode to respond, which is not a negative thing. But sometimes when you may say something and the man will pay attention, it's because a man is completely locked in on what he focuses on because his brain is wired from front to back. And it's different than, it's different than the way a woman's brain is wired. So when we start realizing these things, we can start dealing with each other differently, understanding, hey, maybe he wasn't being mean to me. Maybe he wasn't this. I know a lot of times, I know a lot of times, um, hold on a second, I know a lot of times my wife um, will talk to me, and they have to say something three times to me. And, and I have to snap out of it because usually I'm, I'm thinking of something, I'm focused, and I know that there's a noise coming, but I'm just so engulfed in what I, what I was thinking that I didn't even, I couldn't even comprehend, so I had to almost snap out of what I was doing to respond. So, so, so for a woman, it's easy for her to multitask. She can do, she can do different things, and, and her, her body allows us to do these things. But with men, what we do is we function on one thing and we lock it in. 
So even with that intuition that we're talking about, men and women both have intuitions. It's just different. Men are more uh, 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 spatial. They're dealing with um, 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 areas of, of protection. They, have a, a, they know the environment around them. They're more protective. Where a woman is more uh, uh, nurturing with her intuition, therefore you see her empathize with children and say, you know what, hey, boo, you can't go out with that 13-year-old boy and go to the movies. I remember when me and your pops used to do it. That's not really that bad, right, boo? And then the man says, hell yeah, that's bad. Did you remember what we was doing at that time? And, and and see, because that's the man's nature. The man the man is supposed to be that, that, that force in there to protect. So sometimes when we empathetic as a, a from the nurturing aspect of a woman, we allow things in our house that don't supposed to be there. And this is why our houses are off balance. So we have to understand that our jobs are completely different. In this American society, they try to make it, generalize it, and say it's all the same. Mm. Powerful, powerful. And before I get to my next question, let the people know where can they get the book and give the title of the book again. All right. Um, the the book I'm speaking out of now is called um, um, A Queen Sacrifice. It's a chess move. It's a queen sacrifice understanding the black woman through the biblical text. But the, if you know anything about chess, the queen sacrifice is a chess move where you sacrifice your queen for the king. But that is the whole story of, the, of a woman. And in this book, in the book, it'll be out. It should be out by the end of next week. And with this book, what I'm trying to do is I'm creating an atmosphere where it's fun to learn each other. And it's mm-hmm. me and my wife writing the book, me and my wife, uh, Nasika Atara, um, and she ha- she's writing at least 60, 60 to 70% of the book. I'm dealing more so with the brain issues. She's dealing from the woman perspective, telling the story. So what I'm doing with my books, and you remember with the ancient science of love, instead of it just being a book of information, I also give you stories to follow the information. Because women like right. like life stories, they like novels. Men like information. They want to read something to come out intelligent and make Facebook quotes and show you how smart they are. You know, right. <laughs> but, but women want to get into it. They want to feel like they're in the book. So I combine the two, and this is mm, and this is what smart. makes a difference. So it's called the Queen Sacrifice. When the woman, her whole life is sacrificing. And I want to show you something that the women, that most people don't understand. It's a brother that came to me. His name is Morpheus. Uh, he actually deals with KT and um. And peeling them down here. And the brother Morpheus came into the store that I work in, and he said, you know, we were just talking. He said, you know what, people don't understand the black woman. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I, I know that. I agree. You know, I got I got a little knowledge on that. And he said, no, but they don't understand the role of the black woman. I said, what do you mean? He said, the black woman is the assassin of the family. Mm. And I stopped, and I thought about it. I said, yo, he's right. And why do, I, why do I say he's right? Because now you have to think of the line of the lionesses. The lioness hunts. The women are actually the first line of defense. Correct. They're actually the first line of defense because what they're protecting you is from a lot of spiritual stuff that you don't even see is there. And they protect you from gossip that you don't even know what's going on about you. And they will stick up for you. If a woman tells a, a man to kill a person for them, the man will rationalize it, he will think about it, he will consider it, he will figure out a way to get out of it that he don't have to kill this guy. But in truth, if you told a woman, I, I, I want that person out, that woman might pull it off before you would. Why? Because she's about protective, and when she gets violent or aggressive, she will bring it out. She will end up taking out somebody quicker than you and looking at you like, when are you going to do your job? Because they're very protective of society. And when they release oxytocin, it produces that ethno, uh, uh, ethnocentrism inside of them that allows them to be all about protecting the community, where men sometimes are more so about self. Mm. 
Man, that's powerful. And, and, and tell us where they can get the uh, Ancient Science of Love. At, cause that's the joint everybody needs to get. And then come and, and, and next week on the 21st, get the new joint. But where can they get the joint that's already out? All right. Ancient Science of Love is on Amazon. I mean, I, it, it's a book. It's, it's uh, 120 pages. And if you go check on the reviews, it, it's it's uh, it's five stars. And that's not a pat on the back. It just, it's just something when you actually put out something that people that aren't even a part of your belief system and they look into it and they actually smile and they laugh and they cry and, and they're happy about it. Or, you know, you have to let the emotions go out. You have to let the people feel. And when I wrote Angel Signs of Love, I actually put myself inside of a character. I put myself inside of a man character, a woman's character. And it, it's really exciting how I played out these different roles and, and, and showing how our women are underappreciated. And even in Angel Signs of Love, you know, I have a woman who goes through a lot and uh, she does everything for her man, but her man is so busy, he just doesn't pay attention to the little things. She don't pay attention that she's in her lingerie, or she don't pay attention that, that she did this, she cooked dinner, he's too busy texting, or he's too busy doing this. But sometimes that's all of us. We get caught in these things because a lot of times our relationships become to die off because we look at it more from a business perspective than a love aspect, but we always have to realize that love is a part of that business that we are building. So... When we look at these things, sometimes as a male, we become uh, uh, complacent, and instead of us reinvesting in what we initially fell in love with, we're able to move on quicker. And in the ancient science of love, I show these things, and I show how the woman sometimes, even that, that she was sexually deprived, that, that her mind will wonder and things like that. So it's imperative that we understand that because if you don't capture a woman, if you don't capture the woman's mind, then you can lose her. If you don't capture her mind, her body, her soul, you can lose her. And this is what we have to realize. Sometimes that's why um, there's an article that deals with cheating. Cheating, <laughs> with a man is 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 and, and and bear with me on this. Cheating with a man is less detrimental than a woman cheating on a man in a relationship. And I'll explain why. Because when a man when a man does it, he has the ability for the most part not to connect emotions with his sex. Sometimes he do mm. things with sex. So that means that he's not, he may not be emotionally bound to whatever is there. So that still leaves room for improvement. And you can just chalk it up to the, sometimes we just chalk it up to neglect or me being me or she being drunk or whatever it is. It could actually be something that a man doesn't go back to. But with a woman, usually when she cheats, and there's great research done on this and it's also on my new book, but when a woman cheats, what it is is in order for her to cheat, and this is a good woman, in order for her to cheat, her mind has to be gone. And in order for her to be involved with another man, she has to emotionally desire this man. And then sex becomes mm. available. So when a woman cheats, that means her mind is gone and her body. When a man cheats, sometimes it's just his body, but his brain there. And most of the time when a man cheats, he doesn't have any uh, uh, plans with his wife. But when a woman wow. cheats, she's halfway yeah. out the door. Wow. Let's go back to the phone line. Sister River, I'm coming back to you. I didn't forget uh, 510-307 510-307 Call us station at the Insightful Hour with Brother Nasir Oh, this has been real interesting I, I've been listening for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes He talks a little fast I, I wanted to ask him when he, Could he uh, re, uh, Re-explain What he meant uh, By the woman being the help meet in the Bible I didn't get that And I just wanted to add that um, you know, it sounds, uh, what he's saying is, is pretty much true. Um, sis, I think what sis, happens is, is that. It's kind of hard, sis. It's kind of hard to hear you 
lot of background noise. I don't have any background noise. Okay, maybe that's not Steve's phone. Okay, go ahead. I can hear you now. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, I don't have any background noise. Yes. Um. I think women's things more circular. You know, so that's why, like, spokes in a wheel, so they can connect. Uh, things uh, that don't appear like they they're connected, and they can see into the future by connecting events and persons and the possibilities, um, the risks involved in things, or pursuing a, 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 a course of conduct or not pursuing one. Whereas the men think linear, like like one step at a time. So and so, that, I think there's. There's a lot of miscommunication and misperceptions and, under, and misunderstandings that can evolve into uh, a lot of conflict because it's not recognized, um, you know, especially how a woman thinks. And if a man is with an intelligent woman, he's a real fool if he doesn't listen to her and try to understand what she's what she's trying to communicate. He's basically cutting off his own nose to spite his face at the end of the day. And that's for real. Um because like you, he was saying, the woman can first see things that the man can't. He will be totally unaware. And I don't know what, what it is. It's almost like um, there's a reflective kind of um, reaction uh, from a lot of men re- who tend to be quite argumentative. Um, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, uh, but it's like reflexive. It's like, and I don't know if that's the testosterone plus frustration with with life, do you know what I'm saying? I don't right. know if it's, you know, um, because you're not on the sports field, you know, getting your aggression out of basketball, football, whatever, you know, you have a lot of built-in aggression, and um, but it's really inappropriate to take that kind of stance with a woman. But I, I see men do it all the time, and I just think it's reflexive. I don't even mm. think, and it's almost like they're looking at a woman as if she's competition, like she's another man. You know what I'm saying? So they're debating and arguing, and and they're not even listening because the goal is to win, and then they make sport of it, which is really silly, immature, and it's uh, it's hindering their growth actually, and frustrating the woman. She's gonna be gone. Mm. Mm. Got you. Well, thank you, sis. And uh, let's go back to our brother Nasi. Thank you for your question and comment. I think she wanted you to kind of expound on your whole meaning of help me uh, as it pertains to the Bible, Brother Nasi. All right, cool. I'm going to spell on that. Just give me one second to kind of answer what she was uh, um, talking okay. about. It, 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 it's true. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that we don't understand. Um, when, when you look inside of the of scriptures, you see that our, our forefathers usually married at the age of 40, and uh, the women were slightly younger, around the age of 18, 17. Um, this is because the, the, the man's brain isn't fully developed at the age of, of 20 and early 30s. And what we have is a lot of men who are, when she say competitive, this is the difference. And I want you to you write it down so you can remember it. When women secrete oxytocin during lovemaking, it, it makes them bond to the man. It makes them want to nurture the man. When men release oxytocin, it makes them competitive. And it's, it's a, it's a um, they have to redirect their competitiveness Never, it should never be against the woman, but it's supposed to be a competitiveness against those relationships around them. So, like, perfect example, when you see people, when, when, when men out, um, um, they, they support their wife or give their wife something, they're, they're competitively outshowing the other man. 
So naturally, this is how men survive. They, they survive through their competitive nature. So this is some of the things that you see. And a lot of times with men, even if they're a certain age, they don't know how to process the information. And a lot of times they feel like they're attacked because sometimes when people attack your view, like if you were brought up on a view where you think a certain way and that person that you're with don't think a certain way and they disagree with you, there is a neuropyrephrine inside of the brain that's released that actually sends like a chemical a reaction. It's the same thing that if a bear was to jump out the wood, neopyrephrine would be released in your um, body. So it causes you to fight for your life or defend yourself if somebody is to, uh, taking your life. So it knocks off the limbic system. It causes it to be unbalanced. It puts the man and, and man into a primitive state. And it also sometimes does the same thing with the women, but the women kind of balance it more with the serotonin. That's why they're able to hold their emotions a little better or a little longer than the male does. So sometimes this is the problems that we reach. And when we're at a level of our relationship where we don't want to communicate or we can't communicate, we have to assess the whole situation and see where is our level of love and our devotion to getting this thing together. And then when we get our thing together, we can be able to sit down and say, you know what, I want this to work 100%. And if you want it to work 100%, then you invest the time to understand exactly what the sister was saying. When she talked about circular and linear, that's exactly what it is. The brain circulates the, uh, the, the, the corpus callosum and circulates the information and the blood flow of the brain with a man's linear straight front to that. So it's a little different. And she understands that. So what she's saying is she's trying to teach you, brother, some from our personal experience, and we all have personal experience that we actually learn from and we're teaching from, and we could be actually going through it now, but we're learning how to get out of it. Um, with the help me of the Bible, what I was stating is there's a word called Ezer Kinegdo. The word Ezer Kinegdo means help to oppose or to help bring balance. So the opposition usually from a woman uh, um, is understood as intuitive opposition has to be heard or listened to because sometimes even when a woman is wrong, she's right. I know that sounds like it don't make sense. But you have to understand there's a greater message inside what she's saying because even though she can't express herself the way she wants to or what her gut feeling or instinct is telling her, she's usually for the most part right about certain things. But a lot of times with our women, when they've been through a lot and certain emotions and, and with certain emotions and certain uh, fear that they have in their brain, they can't separate uh, negative emotions from intuition. So there's another problem. So when I say the statement that usually they're right, that is, that is true for the most part, but when a woman's damaged, sometimes her negative emotions overpower the intuition uh, really to tap into an intuitive side. And then you have to understand that when we're talking about systems, we have to realize when a woman, um, um, you see in the Bible, where we see that a woman, that when she's un, on, a, on a menstrual cycle, she's uh, nida, which means she's unclean, and the, and the cycle they give her is seven days. Now, most people would think of this as a negative thing where the woman has to stay away from seven days. In actuality, the truth is a woman is relieved from her, a relief from her duties, um, and this is practiced in ancient Africa. It's practiced in Africa today. It's practiced in Native America where they separate the woman, allow them to be separate on their menstrual, 
and their, their relief from their duties, usually the man either come in or the grandmother will take the uh, responsibilities. But what happens is when a woman is uh, uh, administrating, she's operating more so from the right side of her brain, which is the logical aspect of the brain, and she's thinking too much. She's overthinking. She's she's looking at all the negative emotions that came because most of the woman's emotions is based on her reproductive system. So when there's menstruation, that's a failure, a failure to give birth. So the female body naturally um, goes into a, a sense of uh, a sadness or failure, and they begin to look at the past month, the past month a little differently than what they uh, would. But when she's ovulating, she's dealing more so with the right side of the brain. When she's intuitive, when she is more positively intuitive, when she's um, um, menstruating, a lot of times when she's on her on her period during the, uh, her, her time of separation, according to the scriptures, we see that in fact that she is actually very intuitive but she's picking up on everybody's energy. And this is why a lot of times when a woman is menstruating, she doesn't know where certain energies or emotions are coming from. It's just there. But at that time, she's actually closer to she is, She's at a, um, almost her highest spiritual peak. But this is a time when she sets, a, sets herself aside and becomes closer to God. Uh, brother, now see, y'all, let's go to the phone lines, and then I'm going right to Sister Rhythm. I know she got another question on deck. Uh, call her from 404-817, 404-817. Call her, state your name. You're on the Insightful Hour with Brother Nasee. Hello, my name is Abigail, being Israel. Um, I've been listening for the past 15 minutes. And what I want to say is um, I had asked a brother on, you know, on the Facebook I asked him, what's the difference between and love? And he told me, there's no difference. It's all in in the same accordance. And I told him, no, there is a difference. Because if you're in a relationship, do you sex your wife or do you love your wife? And he really couldn't give me a straight answer. So my question to Brother Nazi is, do you, do you know the difference between sex and love, and do you sex your wife or do you love your wife? Well, it, it, it's two words that we can combine. You sex your wife and you love your wife. But love doesn't have to be uh, um, um, joined with sex. Um, um, so that's why I said with men, they're able to compartmentalize. Most of the time a man can have sex with a woman and don't love the woman at all. In fact, the man can hate a woman and have sex with her because in his competitive nature he just conquered his enemy. So when we when we when we say that love and sex is the same thing, then we're really and, I, and I'm not trying to disrespect the brother by any, but we truly don't understand the aspect of relationships. So when I say I, I love and, and, and sex my wife, um, I'm not trying to be personal, but there's carnal aspects of the relationship that uh, a, a woman likes or needs that may not uh, present itself as love. Um, when it, in the scriptures, it talks about a now. It talks about knowledge, which is uh, actually it says to have sex with your wife or to have uh, sexual relations, but it actually means humbling. So uh, when we look from the different perspective, we see that when the woman has, she has sex, she's more relaxed, she's more calm, but it also means the hurt or the pain. So there's certain aspects where if your person just looks into the acts of sex, it can seem or appear that there's a dominant um, 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 relationship happening, but actually there is sex and there's actually more love that's coming out from that because there's certain things that a woman may convey to a sex drive that may not appear to be love. 
but it's actually something that stimulates us, and then you can express it in the form of love, if that makes sense. Did he answer your, did he answer your question, sis? He, it, uh, it's like half half the answer and half not because um, what the what I was looking for is because of um, um, when you, in my understanding, when you have sex, like you said, um, you can hate the person and have sex and still have sex with them. But my my reference was going back into where Cain or I shouldn't say Cain. Um, the serpent had sex with um, Eve. Was that sex or was that love? Because in the beginning, you know, everything was based off love. And um, where I was going with my brother was everything that was based off love when uh, God created everything, he created everything out of love. He didn't create everything out of sex. All right, well, well, I'll well, I tell you the complexity in your question because um, I understand where you're going, but that's from a, that's from a, a vantage point where you were taught that Eve had sex with um, uh, the serpent. Um, that's that, that, that's based off an interpretation of the scriptures, which I'm not going to say is accurate or not. But what I will say is when a person says that Eve did have sex with 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 the serpent, it is half truth. And why I say it's half truth because somebody is actually down the right path but they're not completing the whole understanding or the allegorical representation of what it's talking about. And in my book, Ancient Science of Love, I equate the, uh, the the serpent with the reptilian part of the brain, which is the part that deals with sexuality. So the serpent is actually what taught Eve to have sex, and that is inside her own self who taught her how to reproduce because the reptilian part of the brain stem deals with the sexual reproduction, re- reproductive system. So when our scriptures, it speaks of a basis, it talks about, it comes from different aspects. You can go from a physiological aspect and put the scriptures there. You can go from a subatomic aspect and put the scriptures there, and it all fits the creation story perfectly. So I understand what you're saying, but this, that's my view when I express it a little slightly from what you're saying. So when I talk about sex, Sex doesn't have to be incorporated with love. People can have sex and don't love each other. So that will answer your question. But as far as your view and your understanding, you're coming from a different walk and a different perspective perspective on what you agree or believe to be the Scripture's meaning. So in that, what my meaning is, that's what I share with you, with the whole uh, um, Eve had sex with the serpent and all of these things. Because a lot of times we tell these, we tell these I, I was, the further you go in Genesis, a lot of it is dealing with a lot of symbolisms, but when you come to our patriarchs, it's dealing with physical people. So there's a lot of things that we see in the beginning that's explaining many stories that's on a deeper aspect than just the, 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 the word aspect, but it means something completely deep, deeper. And that's why when you read Psalms 19, you see King David saying, show me the mysteries and the secret hidden meanings of your Torah, because there are something that underlies inside of the scriptures that's a little deeper than the surface and the interpretations that we've been given and passed down from generation to generation. That's powerful. That's powerful. Sister Rhythm has been waiting patiently, so let's go to Sister Rhythm and Chateau, uh with her question. Go ahead, beloved. Yes. Um, you know, I hope you're still on my side, things. Sister Rhythm. Huh? <laughs> I hope you're still you on doing? my side. We still good, right? <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, I was about to say, like, everything that you were saying just made so much sense. Like, I mean, really, really. 
I have not had a conversation, not that I'm actually, like, it's me and you talking, but I've never had a conversation with a man that understands women so well. Um, it is really, really, really <laughs> refreshing and enlightening and, you know, all of that. Um, and I have actually been accused of, like, thinking like a man a lot of times. Uh, um, I'm single, really, because that's what I want to be. But I want to kind of go back to uh, when you were talking about cheating. And, I mean, that that word, um, the word cheating, uh, I don't know, may have different meaning for me than it does for a lot of other people because um, some women can consider the smallest thing a man cheating on them. And, you know, I don't necessarily look at it as that because I definitely understand what you were saying. Like what they did had absolutely nothing to do with me. It's just what they wanted to do at that particular time. And either I'm going to understand it and move forward or not deal with it and leave. And I like to have a choice. Instead of somebody, you know, lying to me about something that I figured out because I usually end up figuring it out. Um, okay. Uh, I want you to speak more on, like, um, a man doing it versus a woman doing it. Because I do think, in my mind, um, because everything is uh, actually reversed with us as, as far as those, organs go, you know, you become one, but the woman is inside and the man is outside, and I think that has a lot to do with the emotional attachment as well. You know, we um, we definitely have more of an emotional attachment uh, when we get into the situation uh, before men do. Not to say that men don't, because I think they do as well, but just generally speaking. So... Like, why is it more detrimental for a woman to um, do or be more promiscuous um, than it is for a man? All right. Um, that, that, that's very that's very important. It's a good question. And I think I'm going to get into some basic understanding, and then I, may, I get into a couple of scientific terms or breakdowns. Um, one thing with men, when we were speaking about men being able to compartmentalize, the funny thing about men compartmentalizing and focus on one thing, he can compartmentalize his love. Um, and that's that's a little different than with, with our sisters. Uh, a, a man has a natural desire for more than one woman. Um, a lot of times in the society we suppress it because it's deemed the, um, down upon. But the society and um, um, uh, the nature has a way of righting this wrong. And when we see the statistics, we see that men are gen- gen- uh, less, in uh, population than women, and that's a generic breakdown for polygyny. But I'm going to go into some deeper aspects. Um, women cheating. There's a study that we they have that was done on. Um, I think it was at one of the colleges that shows that man's semen actually has an influence on a woman's brain. It determines some of the some. Of, it determines part of her ovulation, and it also leaves a side effect of some mental effects on her brain. Not only that, so that shows that. When that happens, that semen has an uh, influence upon it. And sometimes, when there is semen that you're used to getting, and, and you're not, and you're not having, um, let's say you have unprotected sex with your lover, which you're supposed to have, right? 
Well, your body is used to your, your your female body is used to the semen. When there is foreign semen coming in, usually that will lead to either it being killed off or a miscarriage because it doesn't see your body doesn't see longevity in it. Your body is actually your greatest defense system at times, especially like when you're pregnant and your desire of pickles and ice cream and all these weird things. It's because your body knows there's certain nutrients and certain certain aspects and certain containers and boxes that it needs to survive. So our body and our system is different, and and they even shows that they did a study on flies, which now they're doing it on mammals, which are the, the, these show these, these studies are being repeated and shown that they are accurate. That even if you had a male in your life and he you gave children by it, a lot of times that male's DNA has an effect on the next man who is the mate to that uh, a, a woman and effect on their children. So there may be some genetic or, or, or features that you may see or behaviors that actually come from the first sperm that broke open the ovary ovum. And, and this is something you have to understand. So psychologically, a man's ability to um, protect a woman, that's his whole job. If another man has conquered in his eyes his woman, has beat him, then his job, his mission is aborted. He, can, he, he no longer has this um, uh, um, desire because a man's desire is based on physical attraction, but for the most part, it isn't a physical attraction. It's based off of fidelity. There is nothing like a woman that is faithful to a man, and, and vice versa in the woman. But once a, man, once, once a, woman is, a man's woman is conquered, it shows a man that he has lost, he has not done his job, and it's time for him to move on, move on. Just like a lion that's been defeated by another male, he never comes back into that pride. And when a woman, if she cheats on a man, there's psychological, there's psychological damage to her also because she never wants that man the same way she wanted him before because she sees that her man has already been defeated and he is not the same protector and he can't protect her like she thought she, he, he could. So a lot of times our women beat down on our men and make them feel like nothing, but when they do this, they actually make, make the men into something that they naturally don't desire. And this is a problem sometimes with a lot of uh, uh, polyandry, right, that in polyandry the woman naturally goes to the dominant male. So even though there are other males around, it's usually a dominant male that she, she clings to, and the dominant male really doesn't like the other males so obviously there's a lot of uh, uh, physical issues or challenges that come through from this. And, and, and this, is, this is a lot of what the studies show. But men, it's psychologically, you can beat a man up and, and strip him in the street, but that won't affect him as much as you taking his, taking his woman. So once you take a man's woman, it's a, it's a, it's a shutdown for him that you have conquered, you have conquered him in effect. Wow, wow. Brother Nazi is in rare form tonight. He is going in. 619-393-2813, 619-393-2813. Call, press 1 if you have a question. we got about 12 minutes left for Brother Nazi. If we need to go over, we will. And this is a comment that I wanted to make and kind of add on, and you can just kind of add on to it as well. And I was just, you know, we got a, a discussion going on Facebook right now on my wall they going in, the brothers is going in, the sisters is going in, Sister Donna, you know, Brother Thomas, you know, Sister Lumila. It's a bunch of people going in right now. And this is what I said. Do I think our brothers respect our women? And my answer is no. And the reason why I say no is a lot of times we can't respect anything or anybody else unless we respect ourselves. 
And a lot of brothers that I run into and a lot of brothers I see out here, they don't respect or love or honor themselves, so therefore they can't love, honor, respect a woman, a child, their, 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 their family members, or anyone else for that matter. What is your opinion on how brothers love and respect and honor themselves? Brother Nassim, you still there? Yes, yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. Did you hear my question? Yeah, I can hear you. My bad, yes. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, brothers don't reference himself. And, and and let me tell you, I'm not going to go into no post, uh, post-boredom slavery syndrome and post-traumatic slave syndrome and all of this stuff. Um, the, the, the issue is real simple. Men do not respect themselves because they don't know themselves. They do not know their role in the family. They do not know who they are. They do not understand any part or any aspect of them. They don't respect themselves because they don't respect the women also, because they don't understand the woman. So what we are are miseducated. Once we're educated to understand who we are, then we have the level to fix who we are, what's wrong with us. So the, the level of us becoming better people is removed from the educational system because never have you took a class on showing you how to be a good man. Never have you taken a class in school to show you how to have a good relationship. You, you've never had any of these classes that should be mandatory in every school system that you go into, but because our system is not built to focus on anything that has to do with building family or spirituality, so really there is no level of respect because the only way the man is reaching a dominant status is because either he's a thug or he's basically financially superior than everybody else. So these are the two avenues because a woman naturally in an intellectual mate selection will choose a man that's dominant in some area. So now that society depicts that uh, gangsters are the dominant or they are the alpha males, then a woman, even if she knows it's not a good choice, she will move and gravitate to that because that is the dominant or perceived as the alpha male of the community. Now there's intellectual alpha males because we're coming into a sapiosexual area, but even the, alpha, the sapiosexual males are only evolving to become uh, intelligent beings in order to, to win over women and still for sexual desires. So now when we start basing our um, growth and our development process into a more spiritual basis, based off the social economic growth of our community and the spiritual growth and the community growth of our people, then we can understand who we totally are. But that means we have to connect to the feminine aspect and the feminine energy that lays dormant within inside of us or that lays dormant inside of our mate that we oppress. So until we connect to the social growth of what we're doing, like I, I say you want to have 20 wives and all of this and you want to do all of this, if it's not for social growth, if it's not for uh, growth of the community and not understand that it will benefit the community that you are around, then it is detrimental. So then it's detrimental to your existence. But the thing that's happening just as men, women have to understand their power. If pants falling off your behind is negative and all the women said, I'm never dating a man that pants fall off his behind, then that will actually diminish because men become like lower on the totem pole. So now we have to create the environment that we envision, and women have to stop believing that they can uh, uh, change a man and the man got potential. And see, this is in our ancient Asiatic and Afro-Asiatic and African societies. Never have we married men for potential. We married men for what they already had and what they were established with. 
and now we're basing it off of potential, which everybody has. So everybody can see a little potential in a bum. They can see potential in a man that's garbage and has no 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 um sense of direction because he does have a dormant potential inside of him. But America teaches us to base our relationships off of potential. That's why we say, well, he's going to college. He's got everything right. He's a good man. But you know how many people dropped out of college? You know how many people didn't develop themselves? And this is the thing that we have to understand. Since a man can't multitask, it is dangerous for a man at a young age to get into a relationship that will allow him to detour him from his economic growth and his spiritual growth. So a man at 20 years old, and, uh, shouldn't really be focused on relationships. He should be focused on establishing himself because when he gets into a relationship, that woman in itself takes a lot of time in order for him to develop how to become one with her. So he does not need to deviate from his task. It would take him away from becoming established. So now he has to establish himself. Once he establishes himself, he has the ability to work with somebody else on becoming one with them and understanding them. But now what happens with men is they become the they become stressed because they're dealing with issues that they're too young to handle. And dealing with these issues that they're too young to handle, they don't understand a woman's mind. And we are just learning this today or days before. Women already knew it, but we're just actually opening up and having these actual actual conversations. And that that, that 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 touch deep into the, uh, the 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 fibers of our genetic codes. So now we have to understand that our women and our men need to reset themselves completely because we have to understand that our men are too young at certain ages to become men. Because just like just because in the European and the Western world they're called men, it doesn't mean that they have the ability to have a relationship. And this is the thing that we also have to just keep implanted inside of our mind. And there is a level, a, reverence, a level of reverence that we have with our people when we do things justly and according to our culture. We are trying to westernize this Afrocentric thinking, and it can't happen. You actually, either you go African 100% or you don't go African at all. We got a few minutes left in the show. We're obviously going to run over. I don't see any more hands raised, so we won't take any more calls. Uh, let me look just to make sure I'm not seeing anybody else with any questions yet. We don't have any hands raised. So I'm going to close out with the last question for tonight, and this is something that people want to know. Uh, people have hit me up in inbox and text. They want to know how do you establish the family like you have established, brother, with multiple wives. Um, and a lot of times brothers want to know that question. Um, they want to know the answer to that question based off of, you know, some low vibrational type of foolishness. But we understand how you practice, you know, what we what we call in the Western world polygamy and or polygyny. What is the proper way to practice that, and how, in your eyesight, is it beneficial for our people as a whole? Well, I, I say this in all respect. Polygyny, and, 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 I, and I have to be very cautious, polygyny is powerful. It's very powerful, but also it's very dangerous. Because if, if we are talking about stacking polygyny on the same brothers who don't understand themselves, don't understand women, then we just have double and triple the problem. So what we have to do is establish who we are first, and we can't talk polygyny if we don't understand monogamy. And let me let me break this down. I'm not saying that. You have to have a perfect relationship. There's by no means, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that because sometimes what women will do is they'll they'll create issues 
And they say, I'll let you have polygamy, but you got to make this right. And then every time you think that you made it right, they say, no, uh-uh, you didn't. Oh, there's another problem, and they'll create problems to delay the process. You know, I even watch women say, they have a statement, well, I'm enough for my man. I'm enough problem for my man. And they'll say the statement, I'm enough I'm, I'm I'm too much he can handle. And they say it as if this is a statement of veneration or exaltation of our women or herself, when actually it's a derogatory statement. It's just showing you that I stress my man so much he wouldn't even want nobody else, which doesn't make sense. But it's comfortable inside of an insecure woman to say that because that prolongs her man from going somewhere else and she will continue to create a problem because in Western civilization, a relationship is only based off of problems. And that's because we were growing up watching uh, soap operas. We rolled up every, every relationship we've seen would have problems. The only positive show that we may have had was the Cosby show, and even that was destroying us. And that was destroying us after a while because of, of, of them destroying that and taking it off the TV. So... What I'm expressing to you is that polygyny is powerful. How did I go about my polygyny? Well, it took a lot of trial and error. And in that trial and error, I destroyed, I hurt, and I did a lot of things that weren't right because I didn't understand and I'm learning myself as I am today. But what happened was in this polygyny, in this act of polygyny, my wife helped me find my wife. She found someone who she can spend her life with, someone she can build with, someone, someone she fell in love with, and she knows that this is a good person, and so much so that she was excited for her to get down here and be a part of our family. Because naturally women, there's some women that, 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 that not so don't like being around other women a lot, but there's some women that, that need that company. They need that inspiration. They need that helping hand. They'll love it, and that's their desire. And the one thing the sister said, uh, Sister Rhythm, um, she said a lot of people say I'm, I'm too masculine. Well, that's not, I mean, we, we have to understand that there is, there is different uh, people that are born at different times of the month, a different time of the year, and it deals with a lot of zodiac signs. A lot of times there's a lot of zodiac signs that's masculine, a lot of zodiacs that are feminine, right? They have these effects on us. Are they supposed to have so much effect on us? No, they're not, because we are supposed to be the ones that are more dominant than they are. But they have this influence because we're dealing on lower vibrations. Once we deal on lower vibrations, sometimes we tend to emulate the vibrations that come across from higher aspects. So now when we look at it, it's me. Perfect example, I'm a water sign. I'm a cancer. A cancer is a feminine sign. So it allows me to be empathetic and understand certain things. So I have certain characteristics that may be perceived as feminine or very nurturing. So somebody may be a, a, a very impulsive or dominant or aggressive, and they can be an Aries. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have to tame that, that fire, but that fire has to be directed in a divine purpose. So a lot of times when we get into these relationships, we have to understand how certain people think. And that's also in the book that I'm bringing and presenting, that people, once we learn how people think, we can able be able to elaborate with certain people. Like, um, perfect example, um, my first wife, she, 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 she's loving, she's caring, and so much so that in times I was so cool with her. That was my homeboy that I almost lost the, the tender aspect of who she are, but the, who she is, but that tender aspect is actually her nature. My second wife, my, my second wife, when I say first and second, I'm not talking rank or position. That's not how we do. But what I'm saying is in the time they came in. So when I, and I explained myself through this, I, I understood that I have a second wife that sometimes she wants to do stuff for you so much that she hurts herself 
and some at times she may be ineffective because she's overdoing things. But that's part of her nature because she's a Virgo, and my first wife is a Cancer. So these things I start to understand. I can realize, yo, and you know what? I have to come from a different approach. And I'm telling you to this day, and I will continue saying this. This is nothing that you will master overnight. It is a learning process that we're all going through. So this is not me down talking. This is not me talking to you as a teacher, but talking to you as a brother, that we all can do better as brothers. Wow. Wow. Very, very powerful dialogue tonight, my brother. And I see, and we definitely got to bring you back on. I want to continue this conversation because the people are already saying we got to do a part two because there's been a lot of great information shared tonight, and I want to go deeper with this uh, with this particular subject. But um, what can we um, – Get the book. Again, I want you to plug the book uh, on the website. Uh, the people in New York can get it at the lecture. Let them know the time, the place, National Black Theater and all that. And uh, what else can we expect from Brother Nasi coming forward in the future? All right. Well, Ancient Science of Love, if you don't have it, please get it. It'll be an introduction. This book is probably like Ancient Science of Love, too. If you don't have it, get Ancient Science of Love. Then get the Power Shot Noah. The Power Shot Noah is dealing with the explanation of Noah from a metaphysical and meditative standpoint, which is actually personal development and how to make yourself better. And then the second book is Understanding Our our Sisters, and it goes into the males. This is not just a veneration of our sisters to down our brothers, but it's to give us the ability that when we read this book, we can look at it like, I know you, boo, I know who you are, and smile at them, and then they understand, well, you know me? Well, let's see if you know me. It's just to spark that interest in your relationship to help you understand who you are and how you can develop in life. So the so keep in mind the Queen Sacrifice should it will be in on Amazon by at least Friday next week. So not this Friday. Or no 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 no. Matter of fact it should no this Friday. It it should be on Amazon this Friday. The Queen Sacrifice, look forward to it. It's a beautiful book. It's not just a Hebrew Israelite book. Just like my ancient science of love is not just a Hebrew Israelite book. It is a Hebrew Israelite book with different walks of life. And in fact, what I do is I tie in a lot of the walks of life and show you the similarities. Perfect example, when we go into the situation, you understand that there's a divine presence inside of the, the divine feminine presence inside of creation that we see in Proverbs, the eighth chapter. And in that, when you look at the Dogon, um, you see the Dada or the Nana, which is the feminine transmutation of things into physical creation that creates this 3D realm. And we also see that with the Egyptian god Nut, who is uh, a, a, a bee or woven, woven things into existence. So when we see that, we see that also when we use the word Nasak inside it, and it says as wisdom is the feminine aspect, use the word Nasakti, and the word Minasek also means to weave or to web. So this world that we're in is actually a matrix. It is the feminine existence of creation in this world, and that's why the whole movie about the matrix, because there's certain things that's beyond the matrix that we have to realize. So when we break free out of this womb, we realize that we are more so than this physical creation. All of this stuff is in the book, and I break down Genesis like you've never seen it before. And if you're a hater, I suggest you get the book just so you can say, well, you know what, I hate that. That's stupid. Or you can say, dang, I never looked at it from the perspective. But whatever it is, it will be entertaining. It will even give you something to talk about, some ammunition to use against me. Or it can give you ammunition to build up your family and help build what I'm doing and help build what you're doing, and we can work together and build from there. And June 21st, I don't miss, don't miss it, please. We have um, the General Hashar. 
We have Abundance Child. We have the Minister Inky. We have uh, um, 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 Priest Dadiana. We got Zion Lex, who's dropping a book called The uh, Mothers of the Matriarch. The same day, the, the same day I'm dropping it because we change it. We trying to change the game. We're trying to show something different. We're trying to show the empowerment of our sisters, and not by elevating right. them and just saying that they're saying that they're goddesses or, or that you're the best thing in the world. But we want to show you how you're the best thing in the world and how to become the best thing in the world as we try to develop our man. Because God and goddesses is a level of spirituality that we have to obtain. And when we give out these titles to individuals, it's almost like giving a crackhead a million dollars and letting them know that he thinking, let him think that he's fine. When actuality, he got a lot of improvement to do. So now we're trying to improve the individuals and show them how great they are, but show them the levels where we can improve and how we can build. So if you're in the New York area around June 21st, please come out. This is not no debate. We are having an actually polygyny discussion, and it's with sisters on the panel. One of the sisters on the panel was our sister, uh, Timberly, our Hebrew Israelite sister. We also have... Um, 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 Abundance Child will be on the panel And we will be picking somebody out the crowd To come in and be on the panel We're not looking for That's a dope. biased crowd We're not looking for people We're looking for anybody to come If you say I hate polygamy That's good But if you can say in a nice way We'd rather you up there If you can't control yourself Then we don't want you up there But if you can express all the negativity That you've been through Don't put nobody's names out there And say polygamy sucks We don't care We are just trying to solve solutions and that's why we're throwing this conference, because we want solutions. And the biggest thing, the first thing we have to start before we start talking about evolution, start talking about all this other stuff, we did everything before. Let's talk about our homes. Mm, that's right. That's right. So make sure y'all get out. It's called A Mother's Intuition, Hebrews Honoring the Sacred Woman. Again, Brother Hassar, Inky, Abundance, Nasi, uh, Zion Lex, uh, Elder Gabar. Uh, it's going to be very powerful, y'all. That's Sunday, June 21st, session about polygyny. That's at the National Black Theater, 2033 5th Avenue, um, at 125th and 126th Street. And that's in Harlem World, New York. Make sure y'all get out there and support. It's going to be a very powerful, powerful evening and a very powerful presentation. Um, I won't be able to get there this time, but I'll definitely make sure I get a video and support. And, man, send me the new book, man. I can PayPal you the money tonight, so as soon as it drops, I want to make sure I get the book, man, and make sure you sign it for me in the whole nine. Um, I, I can't wait to read it. I know it's going to be powerful, especially if it's anything close to the ancient science of love. And, again, that's one of my favorite books. So um, make sure y'all go out and support my brother, Nasi, and we'll get you back on the show real soon. Beloved, we appreciate you and your time and give my regards to the wives and to the beautiful children. Well, I appreciate you for giving me so much consideration, man, and you're truly a brother I love, man. I ain't ashamed to say I love a man. Um, this brother Absolutely. has been there and, 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 and is, is a loving and caring person, and his family is so great, man. I mean, they're inspiration to many, and you may not see them on the scene as much, but they're very active. They are the they are the nurturing aspect that is taking all of these people that that have all these lectures. And they help building them up, and they and and they and no pride or ego gets in the way. It's just pure support of whatever the movement is talking about, and whatever is in the right direction. And this is my brother, and uh, uh, and Yama's my sister, and I love y'all. Thank you, bro. We love you and the family as well, my brother. We'll speak with you real soon. Shalom. All right, peace and blessings. Shalom. All right, y'all, was that not a powerful show or what? Our first show back after our month break, and um, it was it was a very powerful show. I can't wait to share this show as soon as it's over with the family so we can get everybody's uh, opinions about the show. 
But uh, Queen Rhythm, let's close it out. Your thoughts about tonight's show? Any uh, comments or anything in closing you have, sis? Yes, it was a great show tonight. Um, really glad that he was able to come on the show. And uh, I definitely agree with uh, whoever you said was asking for a second show. Because <laughs> we do need uh-huh. to be able to ask more questions. <laughs> You know, everybody has questions. And um, he gave some great answers. I mean, seriously. So mm-hmm. um, just in closing, um, I don't know if you saw this um, on social media, but one of my former students, uh, Christina Fox, was um, in the park with her brother and was attacked and, like, brutally beaten by over, like, a mob of white people. Um, wow. Yeah, she she was stabbed um, so many times. Eight times in her back, one time in her shoulder, and two times in her face. Wow. Uh, yeah, and her brother was stabbed nine times in his back, and they punctured his lung. You know, and wow. it's not really getting the recognition that maybe some black-on-black crime would get or even even black-on-white crime would get. Correct. It's definitely in one of those areas that I, I definitely know not to hang out in. But, um, you know, it's um, Cannery or whatever they call it near Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bridgeport has definitely had um, a legacy of doing these type of things to people outside of their community dealing with uh, racial issues or just because of the color of their skin, you know. But luckily, both of them are alive and uh, are still here to tell the story, you know what I'm saying, so that people can understand what's going on and what's not being reported at the same time. You know, we we always hear about um, these negative things that we do to each other. And if it's some police stuff, we may hear about that. But what about what's going on in smaller communities and really how we just as a people need to rise above it because we all in the same boat. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to... Uh, I just I just look at things in a certain way. You know what I'm saying? If you don't make making a million dollars a year, they don't care about you. Regardless of the color of your skin, everything is green. You know what I'm saying? And and we still doing this to each other, which is further in the plan as well. Um, you know, and they I can't say that they don't have it in them because it's in their DNA to do this type of stuff. But I also think, you know, we just have to think about, we just have to think about things and where we go and what we do and just be more aware of our surroundings. You know what I'm saying? And I'm putting all the positive energy out there for her speedy recovery. She's recovering really well from that, you know, and, yeah. So we're sending nothing but positive energy, love. Blessings, prayers, keep their family in your prayers and, and meditations and thoughts um, and, and pray that the sister and her brother recover 100%. And, um, man, it's just ridiculous. I've heard nothing about this story. Like you said, if it was black on black, 
it would have been publicized if it was black on white. It most definitely would have been publicized. But the fact that it was white on black, we haven't heard anything about it. So, again, we send all of our thoughts and prayers and, and well wishes and, you know, to this young sister and her brother and her whole family. Well, that does it for tonight's show, family. It was a great show. Brother Nasir went in, gave us a wealth of knowledge. I'm overwhelmed with the information that he presented tonight. The people love the show. The chat room love the show, so we can't wait to bring him back on for part two. Make sure y'all go pick up his book, The Ancient Science of Love. Get the new book that's coming out next week. And if you're in New York, New Jersey area, Philly, get up to Harlem at the National Black Theater and check out the conference with him and Inky and Sister Buttons and the wealth of other brothers and sisters as well. It's going to be very powerful. Um, And it's an exciting time right now, man. We're starting to get our things together, and I'm so happy that we're we're not doing as much talking and we're starting to put the action uh, along with our talking. So I'm very happy and proud to see that that, you know, is being taken at the present time. So, again, um, check out all of his work, all of his information. Let's support that brother. He has a beautiful family. The two sisters you've seen on the memes promoting the show with his two wives, very beautiful sisters, very humble and just, just great people and great human beings. Uh, so we want to make sure we support his family uh, and support what Brother Nasi is doing down in Atlanta. So for Sister Rhythm and for Brother Nasi, our guest tonight, I'm Brother Insight. Thank you for listening. And um, the women almost definitely are healers. They're the, the first teachers of the children, and this song goes out to all of our women. This is Erica Badu with the Hiller. Peace and blessings. We'll see y'all. Peace and love, y'all. How y'all feel? Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? Can I ask the elders in the house if I can speak freely? Yeah, okay. Well, my name is Erica Badu. Also known as Medulla Oblongata. Also known as Cerebellum. Also known as Annie. Also known as Analog Girl in the Digital World. Also known as Maria Mexico. Also known as Low Down, Low Red Brown. Also known as Hamdulillah, Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, Dios, Ma'ajah, Fire, Dance, Sex, Music, Hip Hop. Also known as Don't believe 